Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. I succeed. I succeed. I love America. It's been my home all my life. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. my home all my life. If you don't know the past, you're only doomed to repeat it. Welcome to Public Access America. This is your history. This is your country. This is America. Join us in listening to some of history's America's best speeches. Created by Jarcodes Productions. Go back in time with us right now on Public Access America. The Chicago Bulls pick Michael Jordan of the University of North Carolina. All right, Michael Jordan, this is Eddie Doucette in New York. How you feeling? Just fine. How you doing? Real good. College Player of the Year amongst uh, so many other honors. Picked third in the NBA draft by the Chicago Bulls. You'll be getting a chance to see close up Enos Watley and Wiggins and the rest of those fellas. How do you think you'll fit there? Well, hopefully I, I fit pretty well. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I played with Enos when I came out of high school, so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, playing with him again. All right, now it's 6'6", 195 pounds. Actually, you could play two positions. Which would you prefer? Well, it doesn't matter, really. Uh, whatever can contribute to the team, uh, if I have to play small forward, if I have to play guard, whatever, uh, you know, whatever the team needs. Some of the people who know this game best say that perhaps you're going to be a beautiful big guard. How do you feel about that? Well, hopefully that could come, that become true. Uh, I'm not looking forward to going in and trying to uh, live up to everyone's expectations. I just want to go in and contribute the best way I could and uh, you know just look forward to whatever coaches want. Do you know anything about Kevin Lockery's style of coaching and what he expects from his players? Not really. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting Coach uh, Lockery and looking forward to his coaching ability. 
And well, Michael, you've got a great opportunity to step in there and win a city that is crying for a winner. That is a fabulous sports town in Chicago. And with a little help from a fellow named Michael Jordan, perhaps you can turn that Bulls thing around. What do you think? Hopefully uh, I can go in and contribute and maybe turn it around. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Well, Michael, we want to wish you the best. I know that Olympic team is shaping up, and I can't wait to see you next year in the NBA. Thank you very much. Look me in the eye. It's okay if you're scared. So am I. But we're scared for different reasons. I'm scared of what I won't become. And you're scared of what I could become. Look at me. I won't let myself end where I started. I won't let myself finish where I began. I know what is within me. Even if you can't see it yet. Look me in the eyes. I have something more important than courage. I have patience. I will become what I know I am. Welcome, everybody, to Michael Jordan's Airwaves. I'm Jim Rose, and we're going to have so much fun tonight, and we're going to have so much fun during the season because this man and his teammates of Chicago Bulls players are going to get these Bulls one step further than he did last year. I know I'm putting some pressure on you. <laughs> we got enough pressure already. You know, one of the things that I'm very concerned about is your health. Uh, You've played uh, six years. Uh, one of them you were injured and didn't get to play. But in reality, you really have played eight NBA seasons in times of minutes and whatever. Last year, you had a little problem with a, with a groin injury, little hits here and there. Uh, and of course, against uh, in Buffalo against Miami on Thursday night, you went down a little bit and you scared the heck out of all of us. Well, you forget that. I scared myself at the same time. I mean, you know, the injuries doesn't bother me as much. You know, I'm. I know that at some point in time, I'm going to have to give up the game. Mm -hmm. So I can't go and play the game scared. You know, i got to play it, relax, enjoy the game. And if it happens, it happens. I just have, I'm faced with it. And uh, you know, if, the, if I can't play the game of basketball today, then I can be uh, really grateful that I played as long as I played. And I'm very happy for the. Well, we're not going to worry about that right now because we want this man to give Bad Chicago luck. Bad luck. What, it, what it deserves. And that is an NBA championship. You know, when we talk about the Bulls and their progression over the last couple of years, um, three years ago, they took, they made, they finally made the playoffs. Two years ago, you made it to the semifinals. Last year, you made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Championships. In fact, came 96 minutes away from winning. We're the getting Open. close. We're getting closer. I think uh, that's why I have to be most uh, appreciative about the, the front office. We have made progress in my years here. A lot of people will get disappointed and discouraged, but I'm not. You know, I feel that we are progressing each year, and, and the players around me are starting to mature and get better and better, mm -hmm. which. You know, it's going to make us a better ball club. Well, you know, the big news following uh, the Bulls' great showing in the playoffs was the firing of head coach Doug Collins. Now, it caught sports fans and the basketball community by surprise, but that's behind us now as we look forward to the regular season, which begins for the Bulls next Friday. Now, as most fans know by now, the Bulls are led this season by their new head coach, Phil Jackson. Coach Jackson is encouraging a different kind of game this season, a less rigid, more open playing style that he hopes will move this team forward. Uh, we tried to put the skeleton out there of what we are going to be as a beast. 
and we hope to put the meat on it as this exhibition season begins and the games start going along. We can start filling that thing out a little bit and maybe giving you guys a total picture of what we are as a ball club. Still unresolved is the question of how much time Michael Jordan will play at the point versus the shooting guard position. Have you decided, have you made up your mind what that situation is going to be like for Michael and or who would be the point guard? No, that decision's not made. Uh, we really think that uh, we're going to have that filled by some people. Uh, right now, the person that's playing the best in that position is John Paxson. But as far as, as having a push man, a guy that run the ball up the floor, a guy that start directing the offense from the backcourt, things like that, I'd just soon not have Michael be there, and he'd just soon not be there. Coach Jackson says he's pleased with starting center Bill Cartwright's performance in the playoffs last season. And he says he expects great things from the low post game this year. Bill um, is much more comfortable with the ball players we have. Last year, obviously, was an adjustment period of time. Guys were learning how to play with the post, learning how to feed the post, learning how to feel, feed Bill Cartwright. Mm -hmm. I think uh, our focus is good. I think Bill's comfortable there. And these guys know when he's set up and when to feed him. And it's, it's coming along real well. And finally, I asked Coach Jackson what it feels like to be a brand new head coach. It's wonderful, uh, you know, the players have been intense, the level of, uh, of uh, awareness, concentration, um, receptivity has been very good, mm -hmm. and we're very comfortable uh, with that. differences between Phil Jackson and Doug Collins were almost like night and day. Now, when Doug was here, and I still feel this way, he's one of the better basketball minds in the country. But the differences are night and day. Well, I think in terms of basketball, they both have very similar minds. I mean, uh, they know the fundamentals of the game, defense, offense. But their personalities tend to change a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. Phil is more behind the scenes, you know, don't want to be noticed, you know, wants the players out here. And Doug does too, but he's more outgoing, he's more emotional. You can tell, I mean, look at Doug when he was coaching. He would sweat a lot more. He's more intense in the game. Mm -hmm. PJ sits back and, you know, it looks like nothing bothers him. And yeah. that's just the way that personality fits. You know, I think we got a little inclination as to how Phil Jackson could run an NBA team last year. I think it was December of last year when... Milwaukee. Yeah. Milwaukee, when Doug got kicked out of a game and then Phil led you guys to victory. Well, what Phil did, I mean, Phil knew we knew the plays. Mm -hmm. We knew we'd been going through practices, and, and all he said was, get out there and play. Mm -hmm. You know, not so much uh, structural stuff, not so much instructions. He said, play the basketball game like you play. You played it for your whole lives. Now go out and, and play together. And that's, that's his attitude. Uh, he hadn't put in a lot of plays this season. He just said, here, pass the ball mm -hmm. and play basketball. And that's how it's been played. All right. Michael will talk more about the rest of the team. And, of course, we'll take our questions from our studio audience when we come back on Michael Jordan's Airwaves. Stay with us. Michael Jordan's Airwaves with Jim Rose is brought to you in part by Isuzu, the first car builders of Japan. enthusiastic studio audience and before we get to some of your questions I got two questions for you one this team improved itself so well in the draft and two about the veterans uh, you've got guys coming back like Bill Cartwright who had a year under his belt now with the Chicago Bulls and the one thing I was concerned about was the guard getting the ball down low to Bill in the post last year they had a few problems with it in training camp he looked real good well you gotta understand Bill Bill is uh, is the type of person that 
is not as mobile as you may think. I mean, he has trouble catching the ball on the move. So that's something that we had to learn about Bill in the year that we played with him. I think uh, now we understand that a lot better. When you're talking about the veterans and the rookies, I think uh, most of our help is going to come from our veterans. A lot of people put it on the rookies, but you know, the rookie is going to have a time to adjust, uh, traveling, getting up at 6.30 to travel. Uh, it's a lot of little things that's going to tire them out. So they got to learn the first half of the season, and hopefully the second half of the season they can contribute. But you know, most of the pressure and most of the help is going to come from our veterans. They should have the time to mature. Talking about Horace Grant, Scottie Pippen, you know, Paxson, uh, Craig Hodges, Charles Davis. These are the guys, the nucleus of our team that we expect productivity from. And the rookies, if they can chip in mm -hmm. in the early part of the season, that's going to be a big help for us. But uh, most of the uh, our offense and our defense and our leadership is going to come from the veterans. Absolutely. Okay, who's got a question for Michael Jordan? Raise your hand. <laughs> Everybody, uh -oh. it seems, huh? Nobody wants to come on television. Come on over here, sir. Stand up. Your name and your question for Mike. Ryan Clatter. And your, your question? Would he answer a non-basketball uh, question? A golf question, Michael. I'm pretty sure. I knew it was going to be golf. I know you're an avid golfer. And uh, your desire is after you play, uh, finish playing basketball to uh, take up maybe pro golf. What's your opinion of, uh, should the ping club be outlawed or not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> that's hard to answer, you know. But that's all right. You know, I understand that um, modern technology is always going to improve. And that's, that's the same thing with the Air Jordan shoe. <laughs> Each year it comes out better and better. That's right, and and you've got and you've got a model coming out in January. It's supposed to be a little better technologically it advanced, is, isn't it? But with the ping clubs, <laughs> you know, I don't understand the the, the full argument. Uh, they said that it's, it's a correctional club and it's illegal. Well, I hit pings and I hit Wilsons, and uh, you know, I like hitting Wilsons a little bit better because when you hit the two spot, you can feel a lot better. But with pings, it's a little bit different. It, it really helps. It corrects your uh, your golf swing, but. Uh, I don't see anything wrong, wrong with it. I mean, modern technology is going to take over the world anyway, so, so why complain? <laughs> well, at least the one thing we know, modern technology can never create another Michael Jordan, that's for sure. <laughs> no question about it. Sir, your name and your question for Michael. My name is Michael Stewart. I got a question for Michael. Um, about your durability, a lot of people complain about how much of your game that you've been, they've been relying on you and so forth. With the draft this year, with B.J. Armstrong with the assists now, uh, with a, with limited time, you know, of playing, being a rookie, and maybe Stacey King being able to get some more block shots and a lot more rebounds, how do you feel that's going to improve you? I mean, you're going to be a lot more durable, do you feel, for Chicago? Well, I think what the people, people are starting to forget that when I play basketball, you know, I don't play conservatively. I play all out. And, you know, my main objective now, as I see it with the Bulls, is more or less like a utility man. You know, wherever the team needs me to to uh, produce, then certainly I'm willing to do that because I, I feel that I'm the leader of the ball club. So I can't say that I'm going to try to play and conserve uh, 28 minutes so that by the end of the season, I'm going to be more rested. You know, I'm all out. And uh, when you see it, you see it 110%. If I give out at the end of the season, then I give out at the end of the season. I'm sorry, but you know, I never played very conservative. In that regard, uh Will Coach Jackson, perhaps now that they've got personnel who could almost carry the load, uh, give you rests in certain spots so that you will have the afterburners ready for that fourth period? Well, I think from a coach's standpoint, that's what he has to do. You have to pick and choose when 
he needs a certain player out there to perform. I mean, that's going to be a tough job because it, within our game, you know, uh, the, the time of, of actually pulling away or playing a closer game is so minimal. And mm -hmm. you got to be willing to, to accept some and hopefully they can turn over to, to what you choose it to be down the stretch. Uh, it's a tough position for any coach. And every coach that we've had in Chicago has been dealing with how to cut my time down. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very tough because I want to play. Your name and your question for Michael. I'm Brad Sparrison. Do you personally think that Scottie Pippen is heading for superstardom in the NBA right now? Certainly. I really think uh, Scottie Pippen <laughs> has... Uh, There's a lot of talent. You know, Scotty is a late bloomer, as we call it in the NBA, or in basketball. A late bloomer being that he doesn't really start to perform his athletic uh, skills until later in his years. I mean, you got a lot of kids who start playing at the age of six or seven. And I was the same case. I didn't start playing basketball or progress as a basketball player until I was in 11th and 12th grade. And that's a late bloomer. He's starting to do that. He always have been kind of overshadowed, but not going to a Division One school. But yeah, he has a lot of ability, and he's starting to come into his own right now. And I'll tell you, one of the best thrills is to see the fast break working with Michael and Scotty running it down the court. Nobody on the planet can stop that fast break, I assure you. Senator, your question, your name and your question. Yeah, my name is Derek Davis. Uh, I want to know, you brought up the fact that uh, they, you want to conserve yourself more and have more energy. What I wanted to know was, I noticed last year during the playoffs, that it pretty much came down to you coming in and pretty much winning the game. And I wondered if you were going, if the team was going to change the strategy this, this year and offload some of that pressure onto more, you know, whether it be some of the rookies or more of the veterans. If, you know, our main objective as, as the Chicago Bulls, and the way that the teams play us in the playoffs, uh, they play us to stop one individual, which is me. Detroit's uh, their main defense is to send three and four guys at me to make everyone else on the other on our team hurt them. We know that, and as a as a team, we have to mature and accept that responsibility. If we're ever going to achieve, then that's the way we're going to have to face things because the way that the NBA is playing us now is mm -hmm. that we got to stop Michael Jordan. If we stop Michael Jordan, then we stop the Bulls, which is not true. I mean, we got quality basketball players on our team. I think what we have to instill in those guys is the confidence that they can play on this level. They can score. They can average 20 points if they choose to. Mm -hmm. And the team's going to play us that way until we prove ourselves. And uh, this could be the year to prove ourselves. Ah, uh, that's what the words that I've been trying to hear all during the training camp. We'll be back with more on Michael Jordan's airwaves right after this. Just stay with us. Questions from the folks in our audience. Let's get a lady on camera here. Your name and stand up. Your name and your question for Michael. Maria Stimson from Chicago. Michael, um, it was my understanding that you were slated to appear in a movie about inner city basketball based on the book Heaven is a Playground by Rick Tellender. Can you tell us what exactly is the status of that movie and will we see you on the silver screen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to do that movie this past summer. Um, but we never really could get my dates down to where I could actually go and, and film my part. Uh, I'm going to do it next summer. And it, it is going to happen. Uh, you know, I've been taking 
a few acting lessons, uh, <laughs> which is pretty different because, uh, you know, in acting, you got to pull out certain emotions at certain times, and uh, it's pretty difficult, but it's fun. I mean, it, you learn a lot about yourself. But I'm looking forward to the movie. You know, it's about street basketball, as you know, and we all, you know, we all have been in street basketball, and uh, I'm looking forward to the situation itself. I know myself. I've tried street basketball many times, in and uh, oh, I said, pick God. the microphone back up. <laughs> okay, young no lady, your name? <laughs> your question for Michael. My name is Meredith Ahern, and why do you like to play basketball? All right. <laughs> It's the only game I can play with a lot of effectiveness, I guess. I, I started playing baseball when I was about six years old. And uh, I started to grow. And I was growing out of all my clothes. So my mother said, try basketball. So I started playing basketball when I was 12. And from that point on, I loved the game. I'll tell you, outside uh, his parents' home in Wilmington, North Carolina, there's a dirt court. I visited there. You should see the rims. They're all down from Michael and his brother Larry slam dunking so much. <laughs> Well, you know, the other big uh, story uh, since the close of last season is the Bulls' excellent college draft. Now, with three first-round picks, the Bulls have added needed bench strength down uh, the middle with uh, Stacey King and Jeff Sanders, and also in the backcourt with B.J. Armstrong of Iowa. At six foot two and 170 pounds, B.J. is probably the point guard of the future for the Chicago Bulls. It's a long way from college in Iowa to the NBA. But this young man with the face of a teenager figures the big league is the place to be. B.J., what do you think of uh, playing at the pro level as opposed to the college uh, game? The level of competition is unbelievable, and uh, I'm learning a lot, especially from the veteran players and the coaches, and uh, I'm just taking it one day at a time, and it's working out really well for me. In years past, the Bulls have had a problem with the guard trying to get the ball to the low post center, but Bill Cartwright sort of smiles when I mention your name because you're the guy that can get the ball to him. How do you feel about that? Well, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, it's going to take some time, some adjustments that I'll have to make, but uh, I just hope it to be a positive, uh, make a positive contribution to the team and, and uh, just work as hard as I possibly can. How far that'll take us, uh, no one knows. The Bulls also expect great things from rookie Stacey King, the number one draft choice. He was the 1989 Big 8 Player of the Year and was the leading scorer in the NCAA tournament in 1988. Stacy, you're a young man that doesn't mince his words at all. And there's an old saying in boxing, once you've talked that talk, now you have to walk that walk. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I try to go out and play hard every time, and, and uh, I think it's very important to uh, believe in what you can do and have a lot of confidence in what you can do. And, and I had that, you know, playing at Oklahoma, we're taught to have a lot of confidence in your ability. And um, right now it's a learning experience, but I have a lot of confidence in my ability, and in the end, I'm gonna be all right. Another rookie who figures to make the team is the Bulls' third pick in the draft, six foot nine, Jeff Sanders, a forward out of Georgia Southern. Unfortunately, he suffered a stress fracture in his foot during preseason workouts. He won't see any court action until sometime in November. Sanders, B.J. Armstrong, and Stacey King, obviously they make the nucleus up of a very good rookie core and a team that has drafted very well like these Chicago Bulls. What a great draft. It was. I mean, I think what it's going to add to our team is, as you said earlier, is guys coming off the bench who can certainly make contributions to the team. And mm -hmm. These guys are good guys. They work hard in practice. They know they're you know, faced with a lot of challenges. Being in Chicago, I mean, the expectations are way up here, and we already told them that. And the best way to get up here is set your own expectations and strive to reach those first.
Okay, let's get another question in your name. Donna Kleinman. Any questions? Um, I kind of have just, well, well, kind of two parts. Just um, this year, uh, you know, everybody seems to be a little skeptical. They always say, not me, but they say that the Bulls, <laughs> <laughs> they say the Bulls may be just one player short of an NBA championship. I want to know what you think, and if you think you're going to be there, what you probably do, and who's going to be there with you. Well, I think what, what you see now is all predictions, and, and, and I tried predicting last year, and that doesn't work. <laughs> you know, everybody's got their own opinion, which is, uh, which is the way it is. But as, uh, as a team, a young team of our caliber, it's great when, team, when people don't expect us to win because it takes the pressure off of us, like last year. We surpassed everybody's expectations last year, and, you know, this year, you know, they're going to expect us to go further. Uh, ourselves, we just want to get there and then try to take it as far as we can. But I believe we got a good opportunity to go all the way. And who's going to be there with us? The Lakers, who I think people are going to kind of overlook because they lost Kareem. You got to realize Kareem didn't play that much last year, and yet they were still there. Um, you know, San Antonio's got three good rookies coming in from mm -hmm. David Robinson, and Sean Elliott, Willie Anderson from last year. You know, they're going to be a surprise team of the West, and you know Detroit certainly is going to challenge us, as I would say, in the Central Division. And Boston, don't count Boston out. Larry Bird's back, and uh, he's determined. Good morning. I know it's a late night for many of you. I'm sorry to get you here this early. I just have a few words to say, and then we'll we'll hear from Michael. This is a a very bittersweet day. There's a certain sadness because the greatest athlete to ever play a team sport is leaving the game. But it's really, for me, a very, very happy day because somebody who I admire and respect is doing exactly what he wants to do, and I'm absolutely convinced that he's doing the right thing. About a year ago, when we were getting ready to begin training camp for the last season, Michael spoke to me about losing a little of the zest for the game and wondering about how long he would, he would play. Of course, we, he did play and we won another championship. Several weeks ago, at the Jordan Foundation dinner, Michael again brought the subject up and said that he was considering not playing. I asked him at the time not to make a hasty decision, to be sure that he thought everything through and that when he came to that decision, it would be one that he could live with and one he was absolutely certain of. We agreed at that time to get together in a couple of weeks. We did uh, last Sunday, October the 3rd, Michael and Curtis and David Falk and I met in Washington at David's home. Michael reaffirms his decision. I made absolutely no attempt to talk him out of it because I was convinced it was the right thing for him to do. I only asked him to do one thing, and that was not to make the decision final until he spoke to Phil Jackson and to Jerry Krause, uh, which he did, uh, uh, I guess it was yesterday morning. And after meeting with Phil for an hour and with Jerry, Michael again was convinced he did the right thing. I think all of us who know Michael are convinced that he is doing the right thing. He's living the American dream. The American dream is to reach a point in your life where you don't have to do anything you want to do, you don't want to do, and everything that you do want to do. So we respect the decision. We're sorry to leave him, to see Michael leave, but it's really been an honor and a pleasure for me and for the people of Chicago to have had Michael here for nine years. I can only imagine what it was like seeing Babe Ruth because I think 
This man, I used to say, was the Babe Ruth of basketball. I've now come to believe that Babe Ruth was the Michael Jordan of baseball. Michael? Thanks, Jerry. I think uh, everyone knows exactly what the circumstances are right now in terms of uh, my decision not to play the game of basketball uh, in the NBA. Doesn't mean I'm not going to play basketball somewhere else, but uh, I've talked to all my confidence, uh, my family, my friends. As uh, Jerry has just uh, informed you uh, to the organization, uh, I even talked to David uh, Stern as of yesterday and even today, and uh, I'm very solid with my decision of not to uh, play the, the game of basketball uh, in the NBA. Reasoning being, I've heard a lot of different speculations about my reasons for not playing, but I've always stressed to people that have known me and the media that has followed me that when I lose uh, the sense of motivation and the sense of to prove something as a basketball player, uh, it's time for me to move away from the game of basketball. It's not because I don't love the game. I love the game of basketball. I always will. I just feel that at this particular time in my career, I've reached the pinnacle of my career. Uh, I've achieved a lot in that short amount of time, if, uh, if you want to call it short. Uh, but. I just feel that I don't have anything else for myself to prove. And I met with my teammates, some of my teammates this morning, and uh, it was very, very uh, emotional uh, because they meant a lot to me and we have shared a lot of time together uh, over the last uh, nine years. Uh, Paxton being the guy that I've been with for the last eight years and other guys I've spent a lot of time for the last five years and we've achieved a lot. We've gone through a lot of stages and uh, my success has been as much as their success, they have been a part of that. Uh, my family's been a part of that. My wife, my, my father, who, as everyone knows, has, uh, has left us. And uh, I guess the biggest uh, gratification, I'm a very optimistic person. I guess the biggest positive thing that I can take out of uh, you know, my father not being here with me today is that he saw my last basketball game. And that means a lot. Uh, it was something that we, he and I have talked, and my family has talked for a long period of time. Um, he advised me, quite frankly, to retire after my first championship. Uh, but we had many discussions, and my discussions was that I still had a lot to prove as a player. And I, I wanted to win more. Uh, at the end of the year, uh, after we won our third championship, we talked once again, and uh, I was kind of leaning towards that direction. And he knew that, and uh, my family knew that, and uh, it was just a matter of uh, waiting until this time when basketball was near to see if my heart would change. And I went through the, all the different stages of going, of getting myself prepared for the next year. And uh, the desire was not there. And it wasn't uh, like everyone had speculated about all the different media pressure and and the different pressures that I was feeling. I deal with pressure all the time, and I would, I've always said that I would never let you guys run me out the game. So don't think uh, that you've done that. Uh, this is my choice, and I've always wanted to make it my choice, and uh, it's a choice that I've chose to live with. And certainly it goes without some reservations a little bit because I'm missing, I'm going to miss the game, I'm going to miss the opportunities of, you know, uh, winning extra championships and spending more time with teammates for eight months and going on on trips or whatever and some of the things that men do in basketball. 
I'm gonna miss it. You know, the psychological warfare that Phil put us all through in eight months, I'm gonna miss that. Uh, but at some point in time, you have to look at the future. I think one thing about my father's death is that it can be gone and be taken away from you at any time. And there's still a lot of things out there for, for me to achieve. Uh, there's a lot of family members and friends that I haven't seen because I've been very selfish in my career uh, to try to get to this point and make sure that I achieve all the dreams that I want to achieve. Now that I'm here, it's time to be a little bit unselfish in terms of spending more time with my family, you know, my wife, my kids, uh, and just get back to a normal life, as close to it as I could. It's going to be tough, but uh, I'm very happy with my decision, and I'm very uh, glad that I'm in a position to make that choice. You know, a lot of times you guys do all the pushing, <laughs> and now I'm taking the lead, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the necessary steps to walk away from the game when I feel I need to. But I'm glad for the fans and for the organization, for the support that they have given me and my family, and for the league. I think the league has gone from uh, from a somewhere that you know a lot of people had a little doubts about the personalities and probably the, the image to where you know it's probably the highest uh, rated and most watched professional sport that there is and I think uh, you know, that means a lot you know, to all the guys who played in that era especially myself so uh, thank you and uh, you know, hopefully I don't see too many of you guys in the future maybe it's my fault maybe I led you to believe it was easy when it wasn't Maybe I made you think my highlights started at the free throw line and not in the gym. Maybe I made you think that every shot I took was a game winner. That my game was built on flash and not fire. Maybe it's my fault that you didn't see that failure gave me strength. That my pain was my motivation. Maybe I led you to believe that basketball was a God-given gift and not something I worked for every single day of my life. Maybe I destroyed the game. Or maybe you're just making excuses. Is it fair to say that you're trying this in part because you and your father discussed this and you see this as a kind of an extension of your life together? Yeah, uh, it was a thing that we talked about. So it wasn't like the reason that I'm doing it is because he's dead, you know, um, because we, I was going to do it anyway. You know, I had plans to do it anyway. He's tried to talk me into doing it a couple years before now, and I wasn't ready. And I guess in doing it now, it's like uh, a thank you to him. And so, for Michael, baseball is a way to stay close to his father. I love the game because of him. James Jordan, his closest friend and greatest influence. He got me started in baseball when I was six years old. James Jordan was there when Michael was named Mr. Baseball by the state of North Carolina at age 12. James was Michael's blood teammate in life at his side throughout his rocket ride to stardom until last year when James Jordan was murdered on a lonely North Carolina highway. Police say two young men decided to rob him when they found him asleep in his car. He was 56 years old. You think about him every day? 
Every day, every time I step on the diamond, I mean, he's with me wherever I go. Um, even though he's not here physically, he's here with me mentally and you know, spiritually. Is it true that you look at the passenger side of your car when you're driving to the ballpark and think about him being there? I still do, you know, because I know if he was here, he would be here. I mean, you know, no matter what people say about me negatively, he would be my biggest supporter, my biggest you know, support. When he was taken from you, you had everything in life that a person could hope for. Enormous individual achievement, a wonderful family, a secure relationship with your father. You were at the peak of your chosen career. What did you learn about yourself, given the enormity of that loss? Well, cherish what you have. And uh, always be in touch with your family, because you know you never really know what they mean to you until they're gone. And uh, for 31 years, he was with me, you know. And it's a lot of kids today who don't know their parents, never have, and probably never will. And so they don't get the education that my father gave me, you know. So I think it gives me a better motivation to stay in tune with my kids and make sure that they know what's right and what's wrong, and that when I'm gone, they can take that on. When Michael unexpectedly retired from his superstar sport of basketball last year, at the peak of his career, he put his family first. It's time to be a little bit unselfish in terms of spending more time with my family, you know, my wife, my kids, uh, and just get back to a normal life, as close to it as I could. Michael, you're obviously not able to spend a lot more time with your family, your wife and your kids, Juanita, when you're here. I'm very in tune with Juanita and my kids and what they want from their father, you know, and my wife has given me the freedom to fulfill this last dream that I, I've always had. You know. There he is again, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Third ball ripped left side through, base hit. And it's very kind of her helping me do this. Michael Jordan is a major star, even in the minor leagues. I'm giving you an autograph and y'all gonna try to throw my ass out. <laughs> After all, what other athlete signs autographs for the opposing team? Thanks, Todd. Wait a minute, this is not how you treat the opposition, is it? Yeah. <laughs> you hear what I just told him? I said, yeah, I'm giving him an autograph, and he's going to try to strike me out and throw me out and all that stuff. Michael! Although he is a big draw, not everyone is happy about Jordan's presence, including some teammates. I resent it in a way that, you know, I've, this is all I've worked for my whole life, and then a guy can come right in and um, get the opportunity that I've been looking for. I think, you know, it's a case of a guy who, who's got some connections and has, has a big name, um, you know, taking advantage of it. It's not just ballplayers who have taken swings at Jordan. When he started chasing his baseball dream, Jordan stumbled badly, and the critics opened up. When you saw the Sports Illustrated cover that said, bag it, Michael, what did you think? That's an unfair shot. You know, um, I felt they felt I was disgracing the game. The game is not a game. It's not a religious game. It's a game. It's America's game. And I think everyone treated it like a, you know, um, you, you're not supposed to play it if you don't play the game your whole life. I mean, that's, that's not the way it should be. And Michael Jordan now with a six-game hitting streak. Michael Jordan is getting by on sheer athletic ability and hard work. Just an average minor league baseball player when he was the best basketball player ever. Do you ever shoot hoops anymore? 
I play a little bit. I don't play that much. I don't. I really don't get the urge to. I think uh, it's not out of my system, but I, I just got other things I want to do. I, I still play. I think the best game that I can play right now is a pickup game because I truly enjoy playing them. Uh, if I play organized basketball, it wouldn't be as enjoyable as playing pickup with you and I, one-on-one -on -one or something to that nature. You don't want to take me on, Michael. Maybe. You never know. <laughs> Some people would say, Michael Jordan, given all that you've achieved, what you're doing now is just running away from responsibility, running away from the idea of growing up. You're going to always have to play a boy's game the rest of your life. We're all kids within ourselves, even when we die. I mean, you have a kid's part inside of you. I'm trying to fulfill that last kid thing that I have inside of me. After this, I mean, you know, I'm going I'm to live through my kids as my father lived through me my whole years, or my parents lived through me. Uh, so this is my last hurrah, in a sense. And uh, it's not that I'm afraid to, to do that. You know, I, I got an opportunity to fulfill that last little dream that I have. And, I'm going to do it. The word retire means you can do anything you want from this day on. So if I desire to come back and play again, maybe that's what I want to do. Maybe that's the challenge that I may need someday down the road. At the other guard, 6'6", from North Carolina, number 45, Michael Jordan. All right, Michael, you got one under your belt. <laughs> How does it feel? Well, as you see, my timing was a little bit off today. I mean, I was just trying to get my rhythm back, and I don't know if it was a good game for me to come back. Reggie seemed very energized, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's my first game back, and you know, I know it's not going to happen in one game. It's going to take a little bit until I get my timing back, but, hey, I'm back. That's all that matters. Does it concern you, though, with the playoffs so close that you will get your timing back in time? Perfect timing. I'm not worried about that. I think, you know, a couple games, I should have my timing back, but... You know, this is not a playoff game, and it's not, you know, I know we want to win, but for me, I mean, I, I really got to take my time and, and try to work my way back in. Let's clear up a few things that have come up. They're talking about you. When you coming back, you had some assurances that Scotty Pippen was going to be here and B.J. Armstrong. Is that any truth to that? I'm only back for the love of the game. I'm not back here for extra money. I'm not back here, you know, I was hoping and, and I'm still hoping that Scotty Pippen and B.J. and still all those guys would be back. And, uh, you know, so it's not my place to make those decisions, but, uh, you know, quite simply, I, I hope everything works out, you know, for all three of those guys. But, you know, I'm back for the love of the game. And what about the fact that you had something that you didn't have to go to practice or some kind of clause that you wouldn't practice? No, I, I love practice. I need to practice. I cannot skip practice. I need it. You know, today really shows me I need to get back into practice. Last question, Michael. You left at your peak. If you don't come back and lead this team to a championship, do you worry that this might have something mess up your mystique a bit? No, I'm not worried about that. I mean, uh, you know, you're not expected to win every time, but I'm back here to try to help my team win, and, uh, you know, we certainly got a good opportunity. Well, it was great to have you back. We'll see you next week. I hope so. All right. Thanks, Michael. I I've heard you say that now that you're, you're retired, you're trying to take your life back. Who are you trying to take your life back from? From the public. You know, um, for years, you know, you, you find yourself doing things for, for them, you know, trying to appease them, you know, when you're out in the public and you, they come up, they... You know, they want to meet, greet, say hello, you know, sign autographs. But I want them to understand this is my time. This is not your time. This is my time now. For almost two decades, Michael Jordan belonged to his fans, millions of them who watched from the sidelines as he led the Chicago Bulls to six NBA championships. Guys, the Bulls win it! They win it! He became the ultimate sports icon, one of the best-known athletes in the world, who literally defied gravity. Oh, 
there were times when I would watch you play, either in person or see a highlight reel, and you would elevate for your shot. I mean, it was almost like you had another gear up there, like you were flying. Well, I mean, we all fly. Once you leave the ground, you fly. Some people fly longer than others. Some people fly higher, too. And higher, as well. Today, Jordan is still flying, but at lower altitudes. We caught up with him recently in Las Vegas at the annual Michael Jordan Senior Flight School. It's a four-day training camp where middle-aged guys who love the game pay $15,000 to get the full Michael Jordan experience. To play ball with him, to get fouled by him, and to get abused by him. What does he say to you on the court? Come on, it's like playing against my son. You know, you're a midget. I mean, he's, he's just very uh, funny. You do the mouse in the house with you? Mouse in the house. Come on, mouse in the house. Anything, anything to try to humiliate you. This is funny. <laughs> with competition like this against guys who play mostly on the weekends, it's surprising that Jordan even broke a sweat. But he did. Playing with intensity, pulling on shorts, and talking track. I, I know you're looking at the ball. You're thinking about it. He also teaches them what he did so well in the NBA, bending the rules without getting caught by the referee. Watch Jordan's left hand here as he gives Russell the push. Referee can't see that. We asked him to demonstrate. If somebody is, is coming at you and trying to, what do you do? I'm basically going to use his physical aggressiveness against him. So if he's reaching a touch, mm -hmm. <laughs> I use it. You can get away with that. If you do it good enough, you can. And, and what about a, if, if I've got the ball and you pull on jerseys? No. You can... <laughs> See, I can steal you. Uh -huh. well, so I can owe you for if, doing if, things. If I want to go this, yeah. Uh simple huh yeah <laughs> i didn't jerk on you too hard yeah no, no i'm all right man all right. you pay fifteen thousand. i gotta let you win sooner or later the guys have the opportunity to pick michael jordan's brain not only about basketball but also about life michael i have a nine-year-old who has a passion for the game the thing that gets him his way more than anything is the emotion of failure and losing as a parent you have to simplify it as, as much as possible to show them that Either way, I still love you if you missed that shot. It's tougher for me than you. Because my, my oldest thinks he should be the next Michael Jordan. <laughs> Just by birthright. You know, and to try to talk him out of it, my wife and, and I are driving ourselves nuts to say, hey, kid, just have a good time. You know, it's only one Michael Jordan. Although it may be hard to believe now, Michael Jordan was an unlikely champion. He didn't make the varsity team in high school until his junior year. Jordan says no one in his family ever expected him to amount to much. And that's what has fueled his will to win. I read in your book that that attitude, that competitive drive, came from being in a family where you felt you had to prove to your parents that you could succeed because of all the kids in your family. Sure. You were the one who was least likely to succeed? I felt that because I wasn't really a work-conscious type of person. But I was a player. I was a player. I loved to play sports. And in their wildest dreams, they never thought that I would be a professional athlete. Did you? No. That all changed in 1982 when Jordan was a skinny freshman at the University of North Carolina. He made the shot that won the NCAA title in the final seconds of the game. Jordan! Michael 
Jordan, 14 seconds. That put Michael Jordan on the map. As my mother or my father would say, that changed Mike Jordan to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan became more than a name. He became a name brand whose face has sold everything from soft drinks to sneakers, from fast food to underwear. Endorsements earn him an estimated $35 million a year, even though he's no longer playing basketball. That's all, folks. That's my line. Over the years, he's written four books, including Driven From Within, which comes out tomorrow. The book is published by Simon & Schuster, a sister company of CBS. It's got to be my size. Jordan also oversees the Jordan brand, a subsidiary of Nike, with revenues of $500 million a year. It includes accessories, a full line of clothing, and, of course, sneakers. Jordan has final approval on everything. When he meets with his design team, there's no detail too small for him. So we were thinking about going gray. Yeah, but you're killing yourself with so much gray over here. Right. But spring is blue. Pinks. All those, those are spring colors. So it's not just, here's my name, use it. Oh, no. No, I, I, I you know, I do have a sense. I like control. I like control with my involvement. He runs his corporate empire from high atop Chicago, the city that made him famous. Could, could you have imagined when, when you first started playing that one day you'd be sitting up here running a company that's worth a half a billion dollars? No. It, it never really, I never really thought about it. All I thought about was doing what I was good at and letting that open up a lot of opportunities for me and choosing from that point on, you know. Jordan spends just two days a week in the office and travels occasionally to charity events and meetings with his team at Nike in Oregon. But a large chunk of his time is spent on the golf course, which has replaced the basketball court as his proving ground. He has worked his handicap down to a four and says he's addicted to the sport, often playing from sunrise to sunset, 54 holes a day. For a competitive junkie like me, golf is a great solution because it, it smacks you in the face every time you think you have accomplished something. <laughs> that to me is, is taking over a lot of that energy and that competitiveness for, for basketball. At the height of his stardom in the NBA, Michael Jordan walked away from a game he conquered to a game that conquered him. He retired from basketball in 1993 and tried his hand at baseball with the Chicago White Sox. Over the course of his one full season in the minors, he struck out 114 times and made 11 errors. Most would consider that a failure, but for Jordan it was just another challenge. So you, you didn't consider your experience in baseball a, a failure? No, by no means. But people would look at those numbers, as you would say, and say, hey, man, you couldn't cut it. I know, but I mean, that's, that's people's perception of what, what standard is. And you know, I wasn't expecting myself to be you know, Babe Ruth or Barry Bonds or anyone like that. I was trying to understand and play the game, enjoy the game, see if my skills could, could compete on that level. His newest testing ground is motorcycle racing. He sponsors a team and enjoys speeding around the track at up to 150 miles an hour. Is that about an adrenaline rush? Is it? I mean, yeah. because it's it's dangerous, Michael. Sure, a lot of things are dangerous. You know, I I, I like motorcycles. I like speed. That to me is is a rush. 
Jordan seems to live his life on the edge, knowing that it could all end at any moment. In 1993, his father, James Jordan, his first coach and closest confidant, was robbed and murdered at random in North Carolina. His death must have been a terrible blow to you. The thing that I looked at, the death of my father, unfortunately, you know, it happened at the hands of another human being, which, in essence, that's very difficult to deal with, just the notion of, of being able to kill someone. But I had him for 32 years. You know, and he taught me a lot in 32 years. You know how I many kids get that opportunity? Very few, you know, in today's society get the chance to spend that much time with their parents and get that type of influence. Jordan says his mother, Dolores, and his late father were his biggest role models, hardworking, generous, and disciplined. He says fans should look closer to home for inspiration rather than looking to big-name athletes for direction. We can give impressions. We can give examples. But to institute and implement those, they have to be people closer to them, to see that individual, see those kids day in and day out. And, and for those people who've criticized you for not being more outspoken on political and social issues, who perhaps would like to see you be the kind of black iconic figure that, say, Muhammad Ali was in his day, or Arthur Ashe, or Jackie Robinson. Um, it's a heavy duty to try to do everything and please everybody. You know, my job was to go out there and play the game of basketball as best I can and provide entertainment to everybody who wanted to watch the game of basketball. You know, obviously people may not agree with that. And, and once again, I can't live for what everybody's impressions of what I should do and what I shouldn't do. One stain on Jordan's otherwise clean image was the allegation that he had a compulsive gambling problem. The NBA cleared him in 1993 after conducting two investigations. But today, Jordan admits he's made some reckless choices at the gambling table with his money. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've got myself into situations that where I would not walk away and I've pushed the envelope. Is that compulsive? Yeah, it depends on how you look at it. If you're willing to jeopardize your livelihood and your family, then yeah. And you're not willing to do that? No. Your, your father said that, that Michael doesn't have a gambling problem. He has a competitive competition, competition. competitive problem. What did he mean by that? You know, I want to win. You know, I want to go out on the limb and win, you know, and sometimes that can take you past the stage in, that you, you know, you probably should take a step back from. That sometimes I, I don't look at that line. I just step over that line. It's a very embarrassing thing. It's, it's one of the things that you totally regret. So, you know, I look at, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I was stupid. I was really stupid. But we all are. But you have to be able to look in that mirror and say that you're stupid. Perhaps Jordan's biggest professional failure was his tenure with the Washington Wizards. In 2000, he became a part owner and top manager of the team, and then decided he could make a bigger contribution by going back on the court. Although he had moments of greatness, his knees began to fail him, and he announced he was done as a player. Soon after, the Wizards unceremoniously fired him. D did you see getting fired coming? No. If, if that was the case, then obviously I wouldn't have went back to play. Because I felt like I, you know, I played injured, and, you know, I went through you know, surgery, and I did, you know, I did the things that a lot of the young kids and, and, and did not do. And, and, and I didn't have to do it. You know, but I did it with the benefit of, of trying to help an organization get back on its feet. And the gratitude that I was being given was, your service is no more wanted or needed. So I felt like I was used in a sense. But, you know, we've all been in a situation where we've been using, we regret what we, you know, but you learn.
And after his long career, Jordan can't keep silent about the state of basketball today. He says that too many young players are overpaid and overindulged, affecting their work ethic and hurting the game he loves so much. The kids today, it, they're being given things that they haven't earned. And I don't want to seem like an old school, traditional, bitter type of guy. Uh, you ask me and I'm, I'm telling you, they think the game is being cheated because of the success that's being given prior to them earning it. Simple as that. Michael Jordan is not ready to walk away from basketball completely. He hopes to own an NBA team someday. And while he knows he'll never play again, he's cocky enough to think he could. At age 42, you think you could play in the NBA and make a contribution? Oh, yeah, sure. Even though the mind, physically, I can't do it. The mind says that, yeah, I can still do it. You know, and I, I, I still think I can do it better than most in the, in the NBA. Wow, that looks so easy, doesn't it? <laughs> I know you guys got to go. I know I've been up here a lot longer than I told my friends I was going to be up here. I cried. I was supposed to get up here and say thank you and walk off, and I didn't even do that. So uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. As I close, uh, the game of basketball has been everything to me. My refuge, my place I've always gone when I needed to find comfort and peace. It's been a source of intense pain and a source of most intense feelings of joy and satisfac satisfaction, and one that no one can even imagine. It's been a relationship that has evolved over time and has given me the greatest respect and love for the game. It's provided me with a platform to share my passion with millions in a way I neither expected nor could have imagined in my career. I hope that it's given the millions of people that I've touched the optimism and the desire to achieve their goals through hard work, perseverance, and positive attitude. Although I'm recognized with this tremendous honor of being in the Basketball Hall of Fame, I don't look at this moment as a defining end to my relationship with the game of basketball. It's simply a continuation of something that I started a long time ago. One day you might look up and see me playing the game at 50. Oh, don't laugh. Don't laugh. <laughs> never say never. Because limits, like fears, are often just an illusion. Thank you very much. Thank you. Look forward to it.